Howick. How good is that producer, How good? It's an important question here on the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Lou, you're probably hanging out with so you. so good. December 7th edition. Hung out with Fred Cowgill last week. 40 years of television experience this week. I hang out with producer Zach, who's done at least a year of producing. Zach, how are you? <laughs> 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 Needless besmirchment. Drink, everybody. How are you doing? I love and, it. Uh, yeah, I did a very serious podcast earlier in the day where I was told that my takes were bad. Uh, so we will uh, we will have fun tonight. How uh, is that a new great. revelation for you? <laughs> like, like, I feel like like you are a, not an acquired taste, but you are a specific taste, right? Like, and so I, I think you're I'm going to get that. Yeah, I think some of my stuff's just different in, in horse racing, too. Um, so, well, well I'm going to let that drop. I'm not even going to tell you where it is. You'll see it on, on Twitter and different things. Awesome. At Radio Louie, if you want to see that, uh, at Horse Happy Hour for our show uh, as well. You can find Mike at Big Mike Gandolfo. Uh, he'll be back on Twitter as soon as Kentucky plays a game, but not for anything related uh, to horses. So there you go. Uh, we will talk Remsen. We'll talk Demoiselle, the uh, Derby and Oaks preps that happened at Aqueduct last week. I recorded a segment earlier today with Matt Dinnerman, who I, I'm – Zach, I just uh, – and, and you know this because you've um, – I, I joke about your, your time producing the show, but you were a listener before you became our producer, and, and Matt's been on the show a lot. He's been great to us. Um, frankly – it's a person I've never physically been in the same place as. Uh, and Matt's probably been on the Is show. Is that true? Wow. Never met Matt Dinnerman. And you would never know from our conversation. And just no. How, yeah, no, for sure. And a lot of that is just Matt. He's just he's just fantastic. And we, we had a conversation about his move to Arkansas, uh, what Hot Springs has been like, what he's anticipating with the Oakland season. And so cannot suggest that enough. We'll close the show with that. So uh, Zach and I will so, hang out. We'll probably do 25, 30 minutes. And then it's about a, literally right at 15 minutes uh, with Matt Dinnerman. So I'm not sure if I want to spite you like this, but I'm going to Hot Springs. Callum wants oh, to go yeah. to Hot Springs. Yeah, no, we're going for sure. Yeah, no, that, that that's not a debatable thing at this point. Yeah. No, no, no. But, I mean, literally in the RV, we want to go on a camping trip oh, there because he wants I, to go and bathe in the Hot Springs. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Matt. So I, I'm not I'm not going to ruin that one either. You so got to go. You just got to hang on and listen to that one. It's a great interview. So, Matt so, sounds different. I, I that's the only yeah. thing I'll say. He. He's not a California guy anymore. I got to say. He's <laughs> I mean, how quickly did I convert from California to Texas? Like, uh, sure, sure. Almost man. immediately. It's just oh, a different watch, lifestyle. Yeah. You watched me move from uh, upper Midwest to, to Kentucky. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's its own thing, too. So, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, and no, I'm it just uh, look, I, I, I'll say it until they they, you know, Spotify kicks us off the platform. But Matt Dinnerman <laughs> next week. Point, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Matt Dinnerman at some point should be the voice of of Del Mar. And to everyone who's ever told me he doesn't have the provenance or the voice or whatever, you're going to find out that racing fans younger than you don't feel that way. Uh, right. They like that for what he is and, and how he interacts with fans and his information and how he does the track feeds and those, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Him making Golden Gate as watchable as he did is is a feat when you're talking about six horses sprinting five and a half furlongs on the tapita in Albany, California. If yep. you can make that interesting, he's going to have no trouble with a 12 horse field and $140,000 allowance race, which is essentially the combined purses of the five most expensive races at golden gate fields. That man's yep. going to have a ton of fun. Um, and I'm very proud of him. I'm proud to call him a friend. And I, I even, the one thing I'll give away is I asked him about calling a grade one. Yeah. Cause he's going to get to call the Arkansas Derby. Right. 
And and I just I want people to hear his response about that, what that means to guys who do this for a living, right? To to guys. Yep. The other part is how he got the job. I was kind of surprised at how candid he was. Um, so uh, Matt will close the show today uh, here on the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Louis Rabot, producer Zach, hanging out with you. All right. So, so I heard something this week that Talk. stands out for what you're saying about Matt, which is hey. it was um, someone who's in the music business, and they were talking about how the older generation always has that to say, right? Like, oh, they don't sound right, or oh, it, they're not blah 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 and that sometimes it just takes the younger generation like taking up the cause and being like no this is what we want to hear for someone to explode sure i i also have caught myself doing these things <laughs> of course <laughs> of course because oh, wait for sure. it louis you're not you're far okay. away from the older generation <laughs> generation don't worry about it look yeah. <laughs> on satellite radio on music from the 90s many of those songs are 30 years old i am doing precisely what my parents did when i grew up it's not even different at all and actually my it <laughs> was newer than what i'm listening to not even a question so right yeah i was i was spitting on songs from the 70s in the early 90s right and that was only that's 20 different. years old yeah. 18 15 years old no, now exactly now i'm like uh, you don't rap, like my 30 year old music 31 years ago. No, I can't do that stuff. So no, <laughs> I actually, um, we had, we had a, a family over, uh, on Thanksgiving. We're, we're in a neighborhood of, of transplants. We're, we're pretty lucky yeah. that way. Yep. You got to meet them. And I quoted, uh, Ray Shremmerd and they were like, what's Ray Shremmerd? I'm like, well, it's a rap duo from Mississippi. And then I, and I was very proud of myself, Zach, because they are very young and very new, but I really enjoy them. So I, I but I will say it was like a five, 10 year period where I just didn't listen to new music. It didn't happen. So I'm glad, glad that I decided to jump back into that uh, as well. But uh, look, door knock one in the Remsen and, and it's, it's yeah. not, uh, yeah. And a fantastic re-rally. It's not a race, Zach, uh, you know, when we get to Derby season, which is frankly right now, uh, especially as we get into the races down in New Orleans, in Miami, etc. When we get into this part of the season, we'll start to see some of these too, by the way, this weekend, the starlet at uh, Los Al, for example, on the Oaks Trail, grade two, um, that the Remsen's not a great predictor for who's going to win the Kentucky Derby. And that's fine. And, and, and I think we need to open with that. And so the, you know, all of the things we're about to say about Doorknock, because we're going to have the, uh, the replay pop up here um, in that race at Aqueduct, are are absolutely the case but i'm going to talk about another horse in that race that i think has the ability to springboard from the remsen into either the new york preps or get shipped down to florida that kind of thing um but zach let's go ahead and play at least the uh the call there uh from our guy chris griffin one of the great names in horse racing uh calling the race there up at aqueduct um in the remsen uh if you have it for us i do let me uh put that up sorry i was looking up how many derby qualifying races there are because we always say this, like, this is not a good predictor of the Derby winning. And well, no, you're right. The I, reality I is like right. 13 of the 16 are not good predictors. So let me put this up. No, the list is long. And what's funny is, is the first place finisher two years ago and the second place finisher last year came off the Tapita in Florence. So what the hell do right. I know about anything? But the Florida Derby <laughs> second place won the race. 
Go ahead. ...of Sierra Leone from the back of the field. Up top, it's the top of the stretch, and it's Dornock who's kicked. Dornock is now opening up that margin. It's Dornock who's up by three, four wide, just ducked in there. Sierra Leone is rolling. Here comes the big bounding strides of Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone from last to first. This is a big effort. Battling on is Dornock who's back to second. Sierra Leone is dugging in. Dornock is coming back. Dornock not done. It's going to be a photo a photo and i think and i think doorknock got up and chris was right good call by chris by the way i'm getting used to him uh in new york rather than johnny uh but it's uh all these things are an adjustment for sure listen the doorknock re-rally matters it's a very nice run by that horse yeah but i think wow. that was the coming out party for a horse named sierra leone i i think we're going to hear from that horse again that is a son of gun runner going two turns for the first time, going a mile and an eighth after a six furlong win in his first run uh, as a maiden. I, I just, to me, that is the horse to watch that came out of this race. Um, yeah. was not Was not that, you know, not the winner. It was Sierra Leone who won literally a maiden special. And you know what? I, I misspoke a little bit. He went a mile, but at Aqueduct, of course, we know that's a one-turn mile and a flat one turn. And so um, going a mile and an eighth, that's a horse that's never started at less uh, than a, than a mile uh, for Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz in the in the irons there. A perfect ride in that race over wet go. I'll be fascinated to see that horse in decent go, you know, in the spring when we get to Belmont or excuse me, if we're back at Aqueduct or if they ship that horse out, I could see Chad Brown moving the Florida Derby route with that horse, the son of gun runner, all the breeding, all the connections, everything's there. That's the kind of horse we could see down south. As for door knocking, people got very impressed by it and they should have. I it is interesting, Zach, to watch these horses grow up right in front of us. Doorknock yep. thought he had the race. He's out front. No one's near him. Sierra Leone goes flying by, and he goes, oh, bleep. I got to speed up and go past this horse. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. So he needs to get credit for that, absolutely. But for me, long term out of this race, I think it's more likely Sierra Leone is in the starting gate for the Kentucky Derby uh, than Doorknock. Let's go to the Oaks prep uh, that was at Aqueduct this past weekend, of course, in uh, the Demoiselle, it's a great two as well. Life Talk uh, comes through and wins this one. Uh, and we will listen again to Chris Griffin on the Nilo. It's Life Talk who's in front. 113 flat for three quarters of a mile. Shimmering allure to the outside. Dolomite just looking for that seaman. Here comes Dolomite's run. It's between these three right now as Life Talk is kicked away. Life Talk is finding more. Shimmering allure continues to chase. Dolomite is now wandering towards the outside, but Life Talk has a furlong left to go. And our Rad Ortiz Jr. and Life Talk are opening up the margin in the Demoiselle. A quick look back, but it's going to be all Life Talk to win the Demoiselle and do it impressively. It's Life Talk who gets the win. A reminder that it was Life Talk who finished fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. She comes back, ships back across the country, and wins this race at Aqueduct in, in, in not great conditions. But we got to talk about it because it's Rapoli, and it's Pletcher, mm -hmm. and it's Irad, and it's all of the things that we want to see in a horse that's developing and is going to be ready to go um, when it comes uh, the first Friday in May. And look, I, I think, you know, if you look at the Demoiselle, it's interesting. And we talked a lot on this show. We make jokes that the Remsen being a two turn mile and an eighth race in the fall, then they run the acorn at one turn and it's a shorter distance. Like, what are we doing? Here are some of the horses that have won this race recently. Obviously, Life Talk wins it this year. She was faster than Julia Shining last year. She was faster than Nest two years ago. 
I don't think I need to re- remind people that Nest did what she did, made $1.6 million as a three-year-old, right. won the Alabama, won the Coaching Club of America Oaks, second in the Belmont, second in the Kentucky Oaks, did win the Ashland Stakes. So the Demoiselle put her, you know, she came out of the Demoiselle. The year before that was Malathat, man. And that's another Pletcher. Guess who's won this race now four years in a row? His name is Todd Pletcher. Malthat went on to win 10 of 14 races with three seconds and a third. She's one of the great mares in the last, man, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, she just did everything. Daughter of Curlin, all that stuff. The Remsen, not a great predictor, Zach. The reason I brought it up, not a great predictor for that Kentucky Derby field or winning it. Mm-hmm. Boy, the Demoiselle can be, man. And and I wonder, just with life talk, is there is there a chance that this daughter, by the way, Gunrunner had both of the winners <laughs> as kids in their in their episode and in the demoiselle. Is there a chance that this daughter of Gunrunner, who's whose mom is by Bernardini, has a chance here? Like I said, with the Rapoli connections, you know, he talked about after they won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile on the, on the boys' side, the pressure that comes with it of of you know all the stuff with Forte and all the other things. Mm-hmm. I think it's life talk out of these two horses here that ran in New York this last week that we're more likely to hear from in the spring. Fascinated to see what they do with her. We do see, unlike the Wood Memorial, which is, you know, we haven't had a winner of the Kentucky Derby since Fusaichi Pegasus in 2000. Coming out of the New York route, you can be very successful uh, running in uh, the, into the Kentucky Oaks and getting into that spring part of the season. So Malathat, mm-hmm. by the way, afterward, you know, she wins the... Uh, she wins the demoiselle, and then they immediately move her to Keeneland, and she wins at Ashland Stakes. I mean, they sat her out for four months, and then she goes and runs the Oaks. That was one of those years in 2021 where it was the uh, last uh, day of April. And and then she comes back, second in the Coaching Club of America, wins the Alabama, tries the Breeders' Cup Distaff, finishes third, comes back, wins the Double Dog Dare. I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She was just a fantastic horse. And um, I, I just I think we're more likely to see something like that with the Pletcher connections uh, on the female side than we will on the male side. So interested in that, but Louie, you just put out a top five uh, on first gen sports and uh, for the Derby and fierceness, Nash Knights bridge, Muth and locked made your list. Would you replace locked on your list with door knock? And uh, at this point um, I'll say no locked is by the way, another son of gun runner. That is a Pletcher Jose Ortiz um, sort of connection. I need to see it one more time from Doorknock. I wonder if we haven't seen him peak. That's really what I worry about with him. Is he the kid who's the so best many basketball times. at eighth yep. grade? And then they're not in the spring. But to be fair, they turned it around. They did it last year with Forte. He was obviously ready to go outside of the injuries. And so we will see uh, once we get there. But <laughs> I love that caveat. That was like the worst caveat of all time. He was ready to go outside the injury. Except that he couldn't go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Except, except that <laughs> he <enough>. couldn't. <laughs> Louis, um, I was a professional basketball player outside of the height differential. <laughs> outside of I'm not Spud Webb. Um, all right. So I did want to get into one thing that I was asked about recently, which is so they're moving the Belmont, obviously, away from Belmont Park so they could do the renovation for the next couple of years. And they will run it at Saratoga. Yeah, and the only and they're going to run it at a mile and a quarter, and I and I want to talk about this because uh, people who love the Triple Crown are are very much up in arms about the shortening of distance. Yes, and it hurt I, me to hear that. Well, okay, and so you're not alone. 
Uh, there are a lot of people who feel that way. And my hot take on this is that I am not offended by 10 furlongs. Um, I don't know that a three turn dirt race for newly three-year-old horses is the best thing for them. I also understand the other side of this. If you think it's very important to have the races and the dates and the distances all be what they are, then I can understand your line of thinking with this. I want to go back to 2020. Okay. When they ran the Belmont first and they ran it over one turn at a mile Mm -hmm. and an eighth. I wasn't offended by that. They run the Derby next at the classic distance. I'm not offended by that. They run the Preakness at the Preakness distance. Obviously, that's fine. It was out of order. It wasn't a mile and a half in the Belmont. Zach, if a horse had won all three of those races, I would have said unequivocally, that's a triple crown. Good for them. They won the three races that were put in front of them in that year. Yep. I would do the exact same this year, but I was told very fervently today, no, massive asterisk for that. Here, to me, is the way more interesting thing about this. Okay. Because that's an argument that people are just going to have, and I don't know that there's actually a... Oh, there will always be an asterisk for a group of people, regardless yeah, of if sure. someone wins Triple Crown and, this year or not. And that is a that's an aside for me about this conversation. The real conversation for me is, how much is this? And they've raised the purse to $2 million. Mm-hmm. How much of this is people trying to get more quality horses to skip the derby and the preakness to just go straight to saratoga at 10 furlongs Oof, yeah i mean that's a possibility absolutely it is let's say you've got a horse who's you know the 10th 12th 14th best horse in the derby field now most owners are gonna say let's take our shot it's the derby if rich strike can do it if you know mind that bird can do it if country house can do it we can do it okay great and that's a reasonable absolutely reasonable way to look at the derby Mm -hmm. but if you know there's a two million dollar purse out there you'll get more than a million bucks if you win at saratoga and you've got a horse that you think is just a little bit below and will only have to run against a belmont size field rather than 20 horses could horses try to just skip those first two races i I think it's absolutely and you'll run fresh and exactly right and it sets up the rest of the summer because what is the rest of the three-year-old schedule based on? It's based on Saratoga. Yep. It just is. Okay. Yep. So at least I want to be clear east of the Rockies. That's what it's based on. Okay. I don't want to besmirch anything that happens in California. It's not, that's not what I'm trying to do right now. What California racing is, is its own league. It's off over there. No, that's right. And a lot of the three-year-olds actually run against older horses. So I, but I don't want to, I don't want to have that conversation right now. What I want to get into is the restricted yeah. races for three-year-olds. They, they gravitate, they revolve around the Saratoga season. Yeah. And, and so if your horse is maybe just not ready for Derby or you just don't want to do whatever and you don't want to ship to Baltimore, why would you not just go to Saratoga and spend the whole summer there? And I think, yep. you'll, I think we're going to see, as I sit here on December 7th of 2023 and I look forward to June of 2024, a full six months from now, essentially to the day, that they'll be running the Belmont stakes. I, I think you're going to see a half dozen horses do that. I'll put an, I'll put that number on. Yeah. I'll agree see, with that take. I think you'll have about six horses who just use the 10 for longer, the classic distance at Saratoga for that. 
other thing. Did I already say that I think they should be running the Belmont at Aqueduct? Yes. Okay, good. All right. That race needs to be on Long Island. If they need to Long Island needs to step up. I, I'll say it out loud. I'm calling out an island. Y'all need to step up like the people in Baltimore have stepped up to protect the Preakness. Y'all need to do it. <laughs> I people in Preakness, people in Baltimore barely know the race is going on, but when you talk about moving it, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got constitutions here, people. <laughs> exactly. in Long Island's like, what? Saratoga? I love Saratoga. No, no, people. No, bleep that. No, I, Aqueduct's awesome. Don't do that. But no one can go. I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. About that. No, it needs to be on Long Island. Let's do it. Uh, that would be the only thing I would argue with. I'm sure I will get a lot of pushback on that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Radio Louie if you want to disagree with me. You can email us. I don't know if I ever give out the email address. Horse Racing Happy Hour at gmail.com. You can always find us there. Um, all right. So uh, Oakland. I, I do want to say that I am one of those Go ones on. who would probably put an asterisk on whoever okay. wins Triple Crown. This I, year. I, I think you are in the majority. I just, the length of that race is brutal for some horses and sure. uh, any shortening, but three turns is also ridiculous. So I see both sides of that story. I just think if you beat the other horses put in front of you, that's the point, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you, you win the year that you win COVID year, whatever year, if you win the triple crown, you win it. It is just much harder in my head for a distance race to be like, oh, that's comparable. And I understand, you know, I mean, it's not like we have a secretariat coming out this year. That's like, I won all these races and I'm just going to blow you all away. And they'll asterisk. It's, you know, it's a year where we're going to have horses. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I wanted to find because one of the triple crown winners did not win at a mile and a half. Um, he won at mile and three six or a mile and three eighths. Got it. Um, and and so, um, distance varied from a mile and five eighths to a mile uh, and one ace um, until set at a mile and and, and a half in nineteen twenty six. Yeah. So that means um, the triple crown in nineteen nineteen with Sir Barton was not at a mile and a half. Zach, do you put an asterisk next to Sir Barton? <sighs> Historical races are so hard. So I I think you have, I also do think that horse racing, there is like a modern era. And so you look at the era of the horses. Sure. But, you know, training was different than things like that. So yes, I'm adding an asterisk, not a full asterisk, but like a, well, you know, in not the modern era, if he had to run against modern horses, but Sir, B Sir Barton won the Derby in a field of 12, uh, gate to wire. He shipped to Baltimore the next day to run in the Preakness three days later. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll take that asterisk away. <laughs> if you can run the triple crown on a three day uh, layoff. Oh fantastic. my God. And by the way, ran it wire to wire again. <laughs> he That's... then won Withers in New York 10 days later, and then on June 11th, won the Belmont Stakes. Hey, that was 50 <laughs> years before my birthday uh, or something. And, yeah, a mile and three ace uh, for that race. Uh, in your face, Sir Barton, you bum. So they, <laughs> um, <laughs> He also won the uh, Potomac Handicap, the Withers. They've been running the Withers that long. 
the Climax Handicap, which I have never won, uh, the Saratoga Handicap, the Dominion Handicap. That was a good joke, Lee. The Merchants and Citizens Handicap. I let it go because you didn't even react. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you. (laughs) You got it. Um, They ran that race until 1960. Three days later, Lou? Three days later? (laughs) Called balling out, Zach. Uh, By the way, after getting off... I'm not sure that I could run a mile and then three days later run another mile. (laughs) After a train ride from Louisville to Baltimore through the mountains. Think about that. Hey, that was all rest, Louie. (laughs) i'll rest on that train (laughs) oh man all right well let's get into the handicapping here we'll wrap up good after me our matt dinnerman uh will will speak uh we talked for about 15 minutes i would guess matt talks for a solid 13 13 and a half minutes so i did my job Uh, on that end the ring the bell is the sixth race on saturday hundred fifty thousand dollar purse i had to laugh zach the race before it is a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar uh made in special weight then $150,000 stakes, $140,000 allowance comes right after it. So not too much difference between the old stakes races and the uh, allowance races at Oaklawn. Uh, nice field here, nine horses. And it's really, uh, if you listen to Matt and to other people, I agree with him. You got two horses in here that are big favorites. Tejano Twist, the six. Chris Landeros gets, a little, uh, gets the ride again here after winning uh, of the bet on Sunshine at, uh, at Churchill Downs. Is coming back to a place where he's won twice and has a one-on-one speed figure, uh, winning the Whitmore last year uh, at Oakland Park. So he's fully capable of it. Did try the Churchill Downs, ran third in that at grade one. Then ran it at um, at Churchill and at Ellis over the summer in a couple of listed stakes, the Aristides and the Kelly's Landing. Uh, ran well enough, but seems to be much, much more comfortable at Oakland Park. And then the three-year-old rivets in this race for Steve Asmussen and his son, Keith Asmussen. How about that? Coming out of uh, graded stakes before in the Amsterdam, uh, where he finished fifth up the track in the Gallant Bob in the slop at Parks uh, during the uh, hurricane that hit on uh, Pennsylvania Derby Day. Uh, so we're not going to hold that against him. Did look really good last time out uh, in the sprint up there in Cleveland. Uh, and so uh, in, in the uh, in the spot there, man, I, I think you lean on Tejano Twist a lot harder, except that. Um, look, Rivet is three for four lifetime at Oakland. So you got two horses here. It's five for seven lifetime at the distance. You got five for 11 lifetime. Never missed the board for Tejano twist. Uh, never missed the board at Oakland either in four runs. I do think the two of them are there horse. I'm watching Zach just for my own, my own interest is Cotto river. He's in this race. He was on the um, Derby trail for many, t- you know, for, for a long time and ran in the act act this year. Just didn't have it. Came back, ran an optional claimer at Keeneland. Again, didn't have it. They have him entered in here. Does uh, does Dwayne Lucas, the, the trainer, and I'm 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 interested because he's at the end of his fifth five year old year, and I and Zach, I, I think he might just be done. I think he might just be done, and I'll be interested to see because he's run eleven times at Oakland. He has hit the board in nine of those races. So the horse loves the freaking track. Uh, it will be interesting to see him run here because he's shortening up to a distance that he's literally never run, Zach. Everything's mm-hmm. been at seven furlongs or longer. Interested to see him the eight here. But I would lean on Tejano Twist, and I would consider a single here. I think he's pre- pretty clearly the fastest horse here, and I think he's the one who's going to take to the track uh, the best as well. Other interesting horse, maybe he can step into this kind of company and pick one off, is the inside horse Osborne for Ron Moquette. Uh, who obviously trained Whitmore and, and won a bunch of sprint races at Oakland Park. Julian Leperou aboard. Interested to see his winter at the all-dirt Oakland uh, after the change in uh, in jock agent. 
Uh, and so interested to see him. He's got a couple shots this weekend uh, to pull off some pretty big checks. It'll be interesting to watch him in an all dirt meet at Oakland this winter. Uh, the mistletoe is for Phillies and mares. It's for three and up uh, going a mile uh, at Oakland, that short stretch there uh, in the mistletoe, 150 K added there uh, way wide open race here, Zach. And I think one that uh, might surprise, we might get more of a price. If we're looking for a price, I'm going to go to the horse shipping in from Maryland. Uh, Saddle up Jesse ran a mile and a 16th last time in an optional claimer and won very comfortably under heavy on Toledo uh, for Brittany Russell, for trainer Brittany Russell. Uh, she does win in stakes races at about 18%. A lot of those are about this level, um, either in Maryland or in Jersey or up there, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, what have you. Horses and for people really, really not well. familiar, is 18% good? <laughs> uh, 18% is excellent. I would say that anything yes, you do with horse it racing is. It's very good. At 15 or 16% or better is very good. Getting up into yeah. 18 in the stakes races is exceptional. Uh, she's winning 25% of her races in general. This horse has won four or three, excuse me, three of his last five, three of six for the year, a second place finish, a couple back at Laurel going a mile and a 16th. Obviously, we're going a mile here. I think it's going to be a horse that's going to stalk or they're going to try to get the lead, um, which is interesting because he's capable of a very good late kick. They started him in his career out west with Simon Callahan. And this is one of those horses. It's been interesting to watch a couple of them go from the West Coast to Brittany Russell's barn and just get better. And this is a horse that she seems to have figured out, got her, got him away from, excuse me, her away uh, from Delaware, uh, the five saddle of Jesse here. Gets Francisco Arietta here, who knows the track as well. Um, this kind of layoff, too, just a little bit over a month off. She hits at 24%. I think we'll get every bit of six to one. We might get seven or eight to one just because she doesn't have uh, much experience in these higher level races. But this is what Brittany Russell does. She finds these horses, she trains them up and gets them ready for these kinds of races. Horse that's been wildly consistent, ran in the groupie doll uh, and needed some time off for uh, Steve Hobby. Is the six coastal charm under Martin Garcia, another guy who knows the track really well. Daughter of Ghost Sapper, she's four years old now, five for 12, four for seven this year. And so that last race was actually the the, the standout in the groupie doll, uh, which was won by Falconette, by the way, and Hidden Connection was in that race, in Interstate Daydream. That's a better field than what we have here, and she finished fifth. We're going a mile again. She's one for three lifetime at the distance, does have a good speed figure, um, has won three times at Oakland. So she seems to like the track there very, very well. Won her last two, including. Um, the Dig a Diamond Stakes, which was in April. I think she's got a real shot to pick it off here uh, as well. Ice Orchid's in here, the 10. She's going to be the favorite. John Ortiz, Ricardo Santana Jr. Ricardo knows the track as well as anyone. She ran really well last time under Julian Leperu, uh at Churchill Downs in an optional claimer. Not available for claim. Finishes second by a head before that. Wins at Churchill Downs in another one. Runs in that groupie doll that I just mentioned. Finishing fourth. So she was in that same race as Saddle Up, uh, excuse me, as Coastal Charm. If you get a better price on Coastal Charm, I think just by that comparison, uh, you're better off going for a longer price. Ice Orchid, I guess, in my mind, will be about three to one uh, by the time we get there. Um, just a, a heads up about betting Oaklawn. Uh, the takeout rate for win play show is 17%. And then everything else, I'm not exaggerating, everything else, I don't have a pick six, but everything else is 21%. So if you are a longer ticket player, 21% is not a good takeout on a pick five. It's just not. It's okay on a pick four, and it's okay on a pick three. It's not on a pick five. And so I would avoid the pick five plays uh, at uh, Oakland for that reason, but the win play show at 17% is very, very playable. So that's where I would probably stick, uh, at least for the, the first little while. We'll see, you know, some of those track biases. Just Is someone shipping in better from one track or another? To, you know, the Churchill shippers versus 
you know, uh, I'll say a Laurel shipper or, you know, someone coming down from Turfway, whatever it might be, you know, we'll start watching those trends uh, as they go. Uh, but that's enough. I think horse racing happy hour for this month, or excuse me, this month for this week, Zach, I need a sneeze. Holy moly. Say something. Well, 21% is what I tip my server, not what I tip my racetrack. That is what I would say. <laughs> not on a pick five. <laughs> they are not doing me enough services for me to tip them 21%. <laughs> nah, not on a pick five. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Now that, like I said, on a pick three, 21% is totally fine. It is sure. totally fine. Uh, but it's not on, especially with the field sizes you're going to get. The payouts are going to be fine. But on a pick five, man, I'm looking for 14. I'm looking for 15%. Yep, yeah. In horseshoe with 12. You get spoiled in Canterbury with 10. So, no, I, I would be looking more for that kind of number. Adding 10 to that essentially is a little expensive for my blood. So, I will be staying away from the pick fives at Oakland uh, this year. Let's play some music and get out of here. Uh, on the other end, though, of course, following this, you'll get Matt Dinnerman. My conversation with him uh, sitting in the front seat of my car. How about that? Uh, you'll hear him talk about the upcoming season uh, there at Oaklawn Park as he makes the move from the Bay Area. I, I would, I, you know, I think outside of working at Emerald Downs, this is his first time living outside of California. Um, and certainly outside of a state that doesn't border, um, outside of a state that does border, excuse me, the Pacific Ocean. So uh, good luck to Matt and good luck to all the folks down in Hot Springs. I hope you have a great meet. Uh, everybody has a great time. I'm Louis Rebeau. Stay tuned for the uh, Matt Dinnerman interview. We'll talk to you next week here on the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Here we go. All right, guys, I'm ready. All right, Matt Dinnerman. How about that? A little Matt Dinnerman on a Thursday Horse Racing Happy Hour. Got Louis Rebeau with you today. And the track announcer at Oaklawn Park. How about that? Something I didn't uh, anticipate saying. On my uh, 2023 bingo card, his name is Matt Dinnerman at Three Colts Handicap on uh, Twitter. Matt, how's Arkansas, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Arkansas is fantastic. I mean, a total 180 in many respects to California. But I'll tell you this: I've got a nice place on the lake, Lake Hamilton. So you wake up every morning to that. The people have been just fantastic. A lot of good food places to go to. It really is a family community here. And the whole town absolutely celebrates racing all the way through the season. And the celebration has already begun, in fact. So we're excited. And tomorrow, of course, we get this show on the road with a good 10 race car. I, you know, and, and, and what I don't want to do with you, Matt, anytime going forward is is disparage anything that that anyone has been involved with before and, in, in, you know, do a comparison or whatever that would be disparaging at all. But what would you say is the biggest difference? Is it that that intense local interest in horse racing? Is that the biggest difference? I would say absolutely. I mean, you okay. don't find you do not find often a community where you've got racing on in the bars. You've got yeah, right. signage saying Oakland's coming up. You've got commercials you've got marketing you've got people going out to eat every night getting excited about the racing they know the racing they know the people they know the jockeys they know the trainers they're probably gonna know the announcer in a little while so uh yeah it's it's a big difference from a cultural perspective with regards to the racing and it's a great thing it's a beautiful thing and it's wonderful that this town has been able to continue to support racing since the very beginning in the early 1900s Matt Dinnerman with us uh, from Oakland Park. Uh, so, I, you know, one of the things that I've, I've gleaned from conversations with you over the years is that you have a pretty specific process about being a track announcer. And one of those parts, Matt, is that you do love spending time in the barn and getting to know 
not just the people involved in the racing, wherever it is that you're calling races, but also getting to know the horses themselves. Uh, how's that process been for you uh, in Arkansas? I'm sure a lot of handshakes with people you haven't met before. It's been great. And what's really interesting is you've got so many people that you hear about or you see on sure. TV and you know who they are, uh, but you don't know who they are. So until you get to meet them, which has been great. I've met a lot of really nice trainers, jockeys. I've made my rounds to meet some of the riders as I see them, you know, working horses and moving from one barn to another to work horses. I've met a good chunk of owners already. And I mean, I was just before this interview, I was actually in the jockey's room just to shake hands with all the ballots in there. Um, just, I just want to know everybody. I want to get to know the community and that's how I am. That's my personality. And I think it's really good for folks who see me on TV to know who I am off camera. I think that's very important to having a good ambassador. So it's been a great process. Everybody's been lovely. A lot of really nice people here and I'm trying to reciprocate that of course. And, and hopefully, you know, we can all make good memories this year together. Has anyone caught you off guard and said, Oh man, I loved you at golden gate. I would watch, you know, on Saturday nights or something, you know, in my down, you know, trying to calm down after a day of racing, I'd watch, you know, the late pick three or something at Golden Gate. Has anyone thrown that at you, caught you off guard? There have been some people that have thrown <laughs> that at me, which is a great thing. That's a great fantastic here. It's really nice. And of course, so many people just love racing. So especially because Oakland gets done before Golden Gate or Emerald, where I was at before Golden Gate, sure. I'm sure they did go home and watch the races or go to the bar and watch races or Maybe they knew somebody who right. was riding at those tracks or working at those tracks. I, I actually talked to a couple of valets who said they know Kevin Radke very well, and he's at Golden Gate, so sometimes they'd watch his races. So, sure. um, yeah, definitely some of that, which is really nice thing to hear. And they all said very positive things, not, oh, we heard you call it Golden Gate, <laughs> oh, and, and something negative. Luckily, they said everything positive. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming to oakland you're stink uh, right, i don't right. i can't believe exactly. they hired you that's exactly. <laughs> that's awesome uh well he's a california guy matt dinnerman uh, uh taking in the uh the, the new job at, at oakland uh i i've wanted to ask you matt but i wanted to wait for you know you to have some closure at golden gate and get the move done to arkansas before i asked would you have applied for this job had golden gate not announced their plans I did not apply for this job. Um, How about that? When Golden Gate, uh, when Golden Gate was still in operation, um, and then once you know Golden Gate, and they know that everybody here knows that. Um, sure. the, the management knows that. The team knows that. The people at Golden Gate know that. Um, so, yeah, I did not apply for this job. Uh, but you know, the thing is, when an opportunity like this does come about, and uh, you get a chance to apply for it, you're going to go and you're going to at least put your name in the hat. So, which I did, and I'm very lucky and blessed and just very thankful that not only all of the people that have supported me along this way, but also the Sella family and the management mm. led by Wayne Smith who have given me this opportunity. And, and they're going with a young gun, and I'm very, very excited to be a part of the family here. I've always thought, Matt, that you would excel at a place like Oakland because I think you're willing to do the kind of work that you've talked about as far as you know, not just in the jock room and in, in the barns and those sort of things. But I, I think you're you're probably excited to meet fans and get to know people in the community who are just Oaklawn nuts. Is that true? Very true. I was actually at dinner with a group of about 20 people last oh, night. Wow. And all of these folks have been in Oakland for decades. And some of them have owned horses, do own horses. Others just love the racing. 
I spoke to a woman who said, I think she's been at the races every race day for the last six years, at least. So people just absolutely love racing in this town. And that's one thing is I'm a fan as well. I'm yes. People know who I am. I'm going to be the announcer here, but I'm a fan and I love racing just like everybody else. So to be able to meet people that share that same common love and passion it's really a neat thing, especially because we aren't a mainstream sport. So be able to meet so many people around town that just absolutely love racing. It's just, it's a joy. It really is. Um, uh, you're, I, I find it personally funny that you're going from a track with all weather and turf to a place with only dirt. Is that funny to Matt Dinnerman? It was, it was funny when Mike Puich, who's a trainer here, said, he, yeah. listen to this, listen to what he told me. He goes, we're standing here, we're watching horses work, and he goes, if you stink on opening day, people are going to say, you're only a turf synthetic type of announcer, you can't, <laughs> can't do dirt. And I looked at him, and he goes, oh, I'm kidding, you're going to be, I gave him an evil eye, and he goes, no, I'm kidding, you're going to do great. I was laughing about it, but it actually, it's, it's, it's not, well, is it funny? No, but is it? Is it okay? Absolutely. I actually think I've become a better race caller calling on the Capita because the way they run and the way they bunch up and the the way things are played out, sometimes it's a little harder to call those races at times. Not all the time. Sometimes dirt races are hard to call too, but um, there's not going to be much of a change with regards to that with the surface. But um, it is a bit interesting that I called synthetic and turf for six years, and now here we are only on a dirt track. Several horses, several races on Saturday, for example, with also eligibles, huge fields. As someone in your job, is that is that exciting to you when there's when the field is even bigger, or is it just race to race? I'm taking it in. You know, seven horses to me is the same as twelve, uh, that kind of thing. Or or does that bigger field with with it? It has to be more of a challenge, frankly, just to keep track of everybody. Is that an enticing thing, or, or is it just race to race for you? I think, well, I think it's a combination of both, to be okay. honest. I mean, I am I get excited for big fields. I like to call big fields. I would rather call a big field than a small field. I actually think as you get to know the horses and you feel more comfortable at a racetrack, calling a bigger field in many instances can be easier than calling a small field. Um, just because you have to sort of go through everybody. And sometimes in a small field with not a lot going on, there are times where it becomes a little bit more challenging because you have to fill that time where maybe there's not a lot of action going on really. So in that respect, it's exciting, but you're also on point with the fact that I will be taking it race by race, especially early on where, you know, I don't know a lot of these, these owners, there's a lot more owners than at golden gate and Emerald to be honest, yeah. a lot more. Still. Sure. Um, I have done homework to try to at least, get a gauge of trainers names jockeys names and also silks looking up the the most starters out of the owners last year and looking up their silks to at least know something to at least know a bit but you're gonna find silks here at oakland where they're changing because there's a lot of claiming activity you're going to see horses shipping in more as opposed to golden gate where you didn't see as many shippers and you're going to see certain owners that maybe start once or twice a meet yeah, right. In five months. And you the only thing you can do is see those silks once or twice for the meet. You're going to have to memorize them. Uh, Matt Dinnerman with us. I'll ask you about the stakes races on Saturday. But first, I think I have to ask the question that no one else will ask you, Matt. And that's the bravery of this podcast. 
did the rubber duckies make the trip to Arkansas? They made the trip. Actually, there was one we left behind, so that's oh, no. a problem. Uh, yeah, that that and the duck is a witch duck, so not happy, not good, not good juju. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Oh boy, she's currently at at uh, Golden Gate, um, but they have made it. I actually got four in the mail here a couple days ago, so the duck okay. collection grows, and two hundred, <laughs> about 210 of them, they're all up there, they're in the booth, and uh, they're ready to take in the cold Arkansas weather come December and January. Fantastic. All right, uh, Matt Ditterman with us. He'll be calling the races, obviously, uh, down there in Arkansas at Oakland Park. Uh, excited to have him on, and, and uh, I, I know I expressed it last time uh, we were we were on together, Matt, but just really thrilled for you. It's going to be uh, for me personally, just a real thrill to hear you call a grade one, for example, right, D- to get to do that. Have you allowed yourself to look ahead at the calendar, see some of those races, to think about calling an Arkansas Derby, for example? Absolutely. I've looked at the stake schedule and uh, have sort of mapped the courses to how things go along here with regards to that stake schedule. It's obviously something you're going to think about, but um, I, I am a person that gets really pumped up for just anything racing in general. So, I think on the outside, when people ask, are you pumped up? Are you ready to go? Sure. On the inside, I am. But on the outside, I project of more I need to stay even keel because I think that's just better mentally. Uh, and I think that in a job like this, being an announcer, you have to be mentally in a good spot when you're calling a race. And you got to take it easy. You, you don't want to get too pumped up because it might affect the call. So, uh, But I'm very excited. I think we're going to have an absolutely fantastic year with the stakes. I think these three-year-old stakes with the big purses are going to attract a lot of horses and really high-quality horses. So we're very hopeful here at Oakland that we're going to have some very, very good horses go through, whether it be two-year-olds and in the year, three-year-olds and older horses. With those big purses, people are going to want to run their good horses here. Uh, something Matt's going to have to get used to is that they're running a, a, a pair of $150,000 stakes on Saturday alongside $140,000 allowance races. So I have to get used to uh, those kinds of numbers. But the Ring the Bell is the sixth race there on Saturday. Three and up, six furlongs on the dirt course. Obviously, 150 k in the uh, kitty. There are some horses that people probably know. We've got a three-year-old shooter in uh, – how, how, how do we say that? Rivet? Rivet? Uh, how do you say that horse's name? That'll be Rivet. That's how you're going to say is. his name. <laughs> obviously Tejano twist the uh, favorite there has won twice uh, at the track one most recently uh in uh the the listed stakes up here at churchill downs under chris landeros who gets the ride there anybody stand out to you in that one i would say that uh tejano twist and rivet just seem like they're a little bit faster than the others in here and i i'm going with tejano twist in that race but rivet i guess the question with him is does he bounce off that race at mahoning valley in the steel valley sprint if he doesn't bounce and he runs that same race he's the one to beat but tejano twist loves this track chris hartman a good trainer he should have him ready so i think that's going to be a fairly uh formful race and then, of course, the 10th race, uh, excuse me, the ninth race is the Mistletoe. That's for three and up on the Philly and Mare side going a mile. I think you're going to call a lot of races uh, going a mile there on that dirt course, the two turns uh, at Oaklawn. Uh, some horses that people almost certainly uh, have followed before. Misty Vale is in there. A horse like Effortlessly Elegant uh, is in here as well at 12 to 1. Uh, Ice Orchid, the 10 horse. This seems a little bit more wide open than that previous race, Matt. 
I agree 100%. I think this is a very competitive race. If you're playing a late pick four, for example, I think that's a spread race. If you single and you get it right, kudos to you. I wouldn't have (laughs) the guts to do that. Um, But it's a very, very competitive race. And I think it's going to very much play out. Whoever gets the right trip in there and likes this track on that day is going to ultimately run very well. There you go. Well, he's Matt Dennerman at Three Colts Candy Cap. On uh, Twitter, you can go find all of his stuff there. And, of course, man, on the track feed at Oak Lawn Park. Matt, uh, so happy for you, man. Glad everything's uh, going well. And I'm very jealous that you get to wake up with a water view every day. I will send some pictures just to rub it in for you. <laughs> Great. That'll make it a lot better. <laughs> Matt fits <laughs> out there at Oak Lawn Park. Matt, appreciate it. I'm sure we will check in before the Arkansas Derby. Absolutely, folks. Thanks for your support, and we'll talk to you soon. It should be a fun week to kick off the racing season here at Oakland. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy.